Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus. Welcome to Digital Jesus, Season 1, Episode 6. Today, we are going to be talking specifically about why you protest. Why go on demonstrations? Why is that futile? First, I'd like to read to you from the New Testament. Luke 12, 22. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? We are living in time where the divide between us has been a massive scam. It does not exist. The illusion of division is just that, an illusion. We have been pitted against each other with tools designed to confuse, anger and separate. The top-down agenda is the work of Satan. And the good news is the Satan is weak. He has recruited a few hundred thousand accomplices who actually believe good is evil and evil is good. The thousands I talk of will not be given the reward they are promised, and I promise you that. The devil worshippers I speak of will not escape hell unless they stop and repent now. The horns have sound, the trumpets have been set, and the shafar is upon us. This is the message we, the children of God, have been waiting for. I am the key that has opened the door. It can only be closed by me. No one else can open or close it. Those that enter his house return home, and all those that have ears and hear are to be judged according to their testimony. Actions and deeds will not be enough unless for the kingdom of Yeshua coupled with faith in the highest order as your goal we are here to usher those awake into the new world of heaven on earth and not to drag you into the new world order of the devil's hell on earth stay with us as we unfold the reasons why you should or should not protest we all know that there is a serious issue with the way that we are governed okay that's not just in the political sphere it's in economics it's also in our spiritual sphere and our voice is being restricted so it's economic physical spiritual and a governmental problem the systems the way they're set up the global organizations are clearly too dominant they are too out of control they are very clearly involved in a system which is interwoven and in its very nature made itself a force to be unchallenged they have set up laws they can change laws through arbitration amendments to acts to parliament whilst you just go about your business and they can set up scenarios and play out war games and they can come up with game theory and they can use the hegelian dialect to a way to confuse and they can direct you into a direction you want to go through the whole problem reaction solution model and you can go back into the previous podcast and have a listen to any of them and they will cover in one aspect or another the subjects that i've just outlined so this is calling on you 
calling on the future. Let's have a look at what the future could look like based on my own theories and assumptions. Okay, let's just call it that. And before we do look into the future, let's be clear about where we are today, the 27th of July, 2021. We are fast being pushed into corners, unable to protest through laws secretly and hurriedly made in the back rooms on the basis of one law that was passed, which is actually amendments to that law the Medical Health Act of 2010 if you're in the Commonwealth. Of course, there are many others that can be listed, but they are essentially changing laws uh, by getting everyone out of the way so they can quietly go about in the background and amend laws that have been created in the past. So it's been a slow process, but they're slowly reaching a point where everything is in place and they're now getting the draconian measures in control around us through these documentations. And they're designed, these laws, to stop you responding commenting or calling out biased behaviour of your government and its partners and that includes Big Pharma and any institution or representative you may find at the Bilderberg list or the Council of Foreign Relations or in the United Nations and essentially anyone that has a global appearance or global presence and the capabilities of creating a narrative. This of course includes banks and royal families and the majority of so-called world leaders, media and tech giants, all of which have an agenda to fulfil a monotheistic system called the New World Order. And they are serious about it. This is not a joke. Uh, we find ourselves in a position where we are literally suggesting you download these podcasts onto an encoded memory stick for future use. And that's a very real event. Why? Because they are in a situation, we're looking at the future, remember, where they are able to press a button and essentially shut everything down. Shut down the internet, shut down your electricity, cut off your food supply, enforce you to have vaccinations, recruit the army into coming into your houses and vaccinating you where you are, holding you down, injecting you, your family, your children, taking your children away from you because you are not giving them the rights that the government have given them through laws they've created to choose their own determination in terms of getting vaccinated for instance we have a system where the media channels are lying and they're just essentially rolling out propaganda and then the agenda is so ridiculously created that you won't be able to tell left from right and up from down and the future is very bleak the future is a world of literally slavery not like you may have imagined it when those heinous crimes were committed against fellow human beings during the slave trade which let's not forget still exists today slavery is an existing form today that the future is not going to be pretty imagine a world where you are unable to speak unable to move unable to see your nearest and dearest your loved ones unable to have an opinion unable to vote unable to go and visit your local supermarket without permission being told what you can eat what you can't eat what you can buy what you can't buy imagine a future without bank account where the only way you can get what you need is through a chip system that exists on your arm or in your forehead try to imagine a future where you are an absolute piece of meat with no voice and worse than that you have to verbatim repeat messages that are sent to you from your controller 
your slave master. You will say this. You will do this. You will go here. You will go there. You will stop. You will not move. You will go to jail. You will be killed for your resistance to the new world order. Believe me when I suggest this idea which is a dystopian existence not much different from what may have happened in the in Solzhenitsyn's the Gulag Archipelago breakdown not much different from what's happening in George Orwell's 1984 imagine this future world where you literally walk yourself into your own prison cell you voluntarily go and serve your government by putting yourself in jail imagine a jail without jailers why because they won't need them because you'll be so subservient and obedient to the system that you will literally just walk in there and close the door behind you and wait for your food to come through a hatch you will take yourself to the death camp and work yourself to death to be obedient to your government. And why? Because they will have so much control over you that you won't even be able to tell what is your own mind and what is theirs. And this is the dystopian future that is talked of. Why? Only Satan knows the answer to that. But we have to try to remember that this is a picture of the future, right? Have a listen back. Go through what we just suggested the future may look like and you'll be hard-pressed not to see that a lot of what the future potentially looks like in this dystopian nature will be. There's a lot of it's already happening. It's already happened. And why the masses sleep under the guise of a fictitious whatever, these laws, these legal changes that somehow bind us when really we're just slaves by paper indemnity. They are the very weapons that are being used against us. And the worst weapon that's ever been created against us is us. They've got people turning inwards on each other, ringing and grass up or dobbing your neighbour for doing something that isn't following the government narrative. We will reward you. You should be your own police force. Key performance indicators will be a part of your life. You will have checkboxes that you have to go through every day. And if you don't follow the narrative and you lie on those forms, that's it. Walk yourself off to jail. Walk yourself off to the death camp. Walk yourself off to being a human guinea pig. Walk yourself off to the end of you. You'll be doing it. Never mind about them coming in and getting you in your house. You'll be signing yourself over. You'll be obedient to the state because if you don't see what you get anyway, by then the future human being will have no identity. You will merely be, if you're very fortunate, a mere number, a QR code, a barcode at best. And let's face it, you're pretty much already there. Why? Because you're queuing up for an experimental, yes, an experimental liquid to be put into your arm, even though you're being told that the effects of that have been far worse than any so-called virus. And what are you doing? You're being told that, oh, everybody needs to get it. And so because people are too wise and they're not falling for it and they're not queuing up to get it or running to get it as some have in some countries, you're turning on them, aren't you? That's what you're doing. You're turning on your neighbour, your family, your friends, your work colleagues. And the government's telling you to do it. And why they're telling you to do this, you are losing all rationale and you're arguing 
even in your religious bodies. You have Christians posing as Christians in government political party seats and you believe them. You believe that they're actively participating in decisions that are affecting an entire nation from a Christian perspective. They're not. And where does this leave us? We know where we are. You can go out and speak about the problem till you're blue in the face. And there are plenty of people there who will do it with you. And, and that's completely understandable. Why would they not talk to you until they're blue in the face? Because it's all there is to talk about lately. It's in the news. It's on the TV. You can't get away from it. Oh, what are they going to do to us this week? Oh, how long are they going to extend the lockdown this time? Let's go to an organised world freedom day okay why protest you've got to be suspicious you have to be you cannot take what is happening on the internet especially through the social platforms seriously why because as i spoke of in my previous podcast about bots about people who have also been psyopsed they've been trained to create more confusion Obviously, we know where the mainstream media stands. That's really the massive propaganda machine that tells you what's happening when it's not really happening. Now, I've been involved in lockdown and I can tell you what the news is telling you is happening because I only watch it to know my enemy, right? I don't watch the news to take it seriously. I stopped doing that a long, long time ago. In fact, I don't know if there was ever a time... Even as young as four and five, when I remember the news being on and my parents watching it, I never really understood it, never took it seriously. Why was I so certain that what was happening was not representative of perhaps what I feel, but also of the conversations that I heard outside of that little thing called the goggle box? I was feeling something deep inside the feeling. And feelings aren't facts, I get that. But it was definitely something that was a gut reaction the gut feeling that i had that i actually went on through life to really spend a lot of time trying to focus on and to listen to i didn't always listen to it otherwise i wouldn't have taken the journey i did but in the same token i wasn't meant to listen to it because i was meant to go on the journey and learn the lessons so why protest i always wanted to challenge that and i wanted to find out ways to maybe contribute to society to make it better and it took me a long time before i realized that i had to stop trying to change society to do that that is to make me feel better about myself i had to learn first that i had to be responsible for myself for my own actions and be a responder not a reactor went on that journey of course learned on the other side that that is the primary challenge and i guess you know i can only base what works for me in terms of what i feel like a solution may be for others which is to work on ourselves but what happened happens if we don't have a climate that encourages us or affords us the time and the space to be able to do that it's very difficult i know i've been on the welfare system it's very challenging trying to have a healthy diet on what a lot of working people think is actually a handout that's kind of like an easy ride well there's no easy ride on the social security system trust me if you're in a situation where you're maybe on the sick and uh, disabled benefit and you're getting some add-ons then maybe you'd be all right but if you're just a, an unemployed person on the dole 
you ain't going to eat well. Money that comes out of the money you get fortnightly has to go towards your rent. If you can afford to live somewhere, you're not living under a bridge. It's very difficult. So there's an illusion that you can survive on the tit of the state, as I call it. So I've been in situations where I couldn't protest, where I didn't have the energy because my diet was so poor, because I was so down and depressed about my lot and I couldn't see a change and I couldn't see my way out of it. And it's a whole other story. I'm just trying to keep it abreast of where I'm heading towards this why protest. I will tell you this. In my late teens, when all my mates were going to college and uni, well, I'd already been to college. So I decided I was going to go to university, study psychology. As a freshman, I arrived day one before we'd even found out what was on the agenda, syllabus, etc., there were these student union reps coming around each class and they handed out a form and they said, we're from the student union and we represent the freshman year and we're looking for people to become class representatives. Straight away, I'm thinking, this doesn't sound right. I became suspicious enough to investigate and they left the form and I thought, yeah, I'll put my name down for that. I located the student union office, walked inside, and it was all very just, it just didn't feel right. There's something not right about it. They told me that the position had already been filled for my class, but yet nobody had filled the form in except me. So I asked them, how could that be so? To which they replied, there was a late entry. (laughs) Okay, so there's two problems with this. The first one is, We're on day one of the freshman year and I've got freshman representatives telling me that they're looking for freshman representatives in the classroom. Well, one, how have they already established who those leaders are for the freshman year? And secondly, who's that person that didn't, who wasn't in the class, who was able to apply even though they weren't in the class at the time the form was filled in and then handed back to them? Very suspicious. So let's put that aside. At some point during my first year, it was in London and there was a massive movement to try to put a stop to the idea of loans coming in instead of grants. Because for all those of you out there that borrowed or borrow money to go to university, I was there trying to stop that happening. Because up until this particular grants not loans movement, there was no loan system. It was pure grant. You got the money, you didn't have to give it back. You ended up with a degree. That was how it should be system paid into it you should be taken out a march was organized a march which wasn't just my university they had got together all the universities and they were going to go on a march we was marching somewhere from the west end of london the university of london college campus in bloomsbury to highbury fields park which is in islington it's a fair old way and we had to go down euston road And when we got to Euston Road, it was decided that we were going to sit down and block the traffic off of Euston Road to bring it to make it newsworthy. Okay, so that happened. But the police come along and said, get up, get up. And and so people just got up and then they carried on walking. And I was quiet, I guess. I don't I wouldn't say I was militant, but I was willing to join in and make a difference. 
The so-called organisers had taken their foot off the proverbial gas and they were nowhere to be seen. They were up the front chatting amongst themselves, you know, that little cliquey group that was in that student union office. They were all hanging out with the other student union dudes and girls, right? And they were all having their cosy little walk up the front as if like, look at us, we're bossing it, right? But nothing was changing. No one was really saying anything. What do we want? Grants, when do we want them now? What do we want? Grants, where do we want them now? You know, that sort of thing. Grants, not loans. Grants, not loans. Oh, I don't know. Just songs, right? The usual standard monotonous songs. I actually didn't join in. It just didn't feel right to me. I wanted something a bit more solid, to be honest. And the biggest impact made on that march was when the people sat down in the road. That really got the attention of certainly the police that were coming alongside, or you know, moving it along, basically. We ended up getting to a point where if you didn't make a stand, which was Highbury Corner Roundabout, one of the biggest intersections in London, essentially all the traffic that came down from north, the heavy vehicle traffic had to come through Highbury Corner and then split off in its various directions if it wanted to head to the city and to the West End and then beyond okay so it was very much a main thoroughfare and if you've locked that off you would have got some news some newsworthy traffic right I had I admit been prodding these so-called student union reps to get some action going they were just turning a blind eye they were not interested and my actions to get them to take action were reverberating around the crowd and the crowd was starting to pick up on this idea that they could make this difference so they started to sit down now it's important to add I didn't tell them to sit down i merely made a suggestion just like i can't tell you to go and jump out the highest window in your area you can't blame me if you make that decision it's down to you if four thousand people decide to sit down at hybrid corner to protest against grants not loans then it's every individual's actions and choice that made that happen but ultimately they needed the concept of it being something that could maybe make a difference and so they decided to sit down before you knew it me and my friends were getting swept up from the crowd and thrown against the wall and um, abused by police and manhandled and arrested we got taken to a police station we got charged with incitement to cause 4,000 people to sit down on Euston Road in actual fact what they'd done was they had referred back to the original incident when everyone had begun to sit down but of course I didn't have any part in that nor did my friends it was only at this later stage that we seemingly were involved in that situation taking place at Highbury Corner so what they did was not only did they backtrack it and make out that we were the inciters at Euston Road which was a couple three four miles back down the road they also lied about that they lied they said it was us well it wasn't us so if their case was so clear and they had such good evidence and such a good claim that we caused it why did they have to go back to the earliest incident in the march well because they had to make it look like we were aggressors all the way along the march they had to stitch us up properly so what better way than to blame us for the entire instigation of of causing 4,000 people to sit down and block off one of the most busiest roads in London during peak time. 
and we thought it was a massive joke and as such won't be taken seriously in a court of law based on no evidence because there was no evidence of us doing what they said we did and so they're colluding putting their witness statements together whatever we'd, we'd work our way through it and we'd walk out of that court without any charges to our name and most importantly no convictions i ended up on the front cover of the national union of students magazine which went out to the entire country and so did a couple of my friends because one of them had been literally thrown against a shop window he nearly went through it and i went up and i grabbed the copper and i yanked him back off him and turned him around to teach him manners verbally so it's really just a way of me saying listen don't do stuff like that to people you could have killed the bloke it's like a plate glass window you nearly pushed him through it have some respect so anyway we end up in court but before we get to court there is a pursuit for us to gain some legal counsel now you think the obvious place to go is the national union students so that's where i went and they said to me oh no after this this was after a couple of days they said we've decided that it's not uh, an avenue we want to go down we don't feel it's in our interest to pursue that and to represent you well i was fuming and I, I basically held them accountable in the moment. And I said, listen here, what are you talking about? If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be down there. And what about making a difference? Do you really want grants, not loans? Are you not going to protect the very people that you got to go down and do your dirty work for you? I said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to make sure we get legal counsel. It's not going to cost all of us a penny. And it's going to be for all of us who are involved. There was about six of us, me and my mate. And if you don't, we're going to go to the newspapers. We're going to tell him everything that's gone on. It's not going to look good for you. Well, in the hindsight, 30 years later, I reckon I should have gone to the newspapers with it. Maybe then they would have taken up the story. Who knows? It's a bit more biased today, isn't it? But 30 plus years ago, we might have had a crack of the whip. But anyway, what happened was they wound their neck in and they decided to represent us. We got to court and on the, we was outside having a pre-hearing chat with this lawyer. And he says, oh, we think you should just plead guilty. <laughs> what are you doing mate you're supposed to be here defending us defending the cause defending what's our right to protest against these draconian measures you want everyone to start paying for their degrees when it's been free up until now at least let's have a decent protest help us out he said oh well i've had a chat with a prosecution it's better we just do a deal ah we we all looked at each other as it says this really happening and then a couple of the boys crumbled because they had some uh they were carrying some things on them they shouldn't have had you know uh but the majority of us were in the clear we just we we had no real issue with being arrested we were arrested for a cause we were all right with that and, but we didn't see how we should be punished for having a voice or at least trying to get one and they had no proof that it was us that caused it because there was no proof in the end it was all agreed that we should take a bind over which was a couple of years kind of probation kind of thing and uh and they'd throw the rest of the charges out well we were young we we were naive we just wanted to get back out and and get on with our lives go back to uni so we just suffered that and we moved on the moral of what happened here is the national union of students in the first instance invented a candidate and candidates where did they get those from they were already planned clearly that was already planned before those freshmen even turned up for day one of uni very very suspect who are, who were those people why are they so weird as well you can't have a conversation with them i couldn't and they had all these like virtue signal 
selling posters like of Che Guevara and in hindsight you could see where their leanings were towards this socialist labour kind of attitude towards life you know everyone else is responsible for them but yet they don't want to give any responsibility to anyone because their egos is too big who were those people in the National Union of Students who weren't going to protest with us and stand next to us in a court of law and pay our bills because we got caught doing something for them a lot of money goes into the National Union of Students don't you forget that and why were we marching for that if it wasn't going to make a difference in the long run you could say oh they just got it wrong made a decision didn't make the right call but eventually it came round it only came round because I pressured them and I said to them because I was streetwise that I had a chat you know pulled them back into line so where would we have been if I hadn't have done that probably with some charges hanging over our head to this day so protesting I learned didn't work the other part that I want to mention is the people along the march were just lost really I tried to have a conversation with them about strategy and what brought them to here they were like oh we just was told to come along oh we don't really know oh we don't really care we just we can't wait till it's done so we can get to the pub you know there's no like no real backbone to the whole process what I am saying is I don't trust union bodies not those I didn't trust it from day one who are they who are those people now we're in 2021 July and there's been these marches all around the world but we've leading up to it forget about the ones that have happened with regards to this uh, so-called pandemic forget about the ones before let's talk about these ones that were rolled out as world demonstration day right world freedom day who put the money up for that because i was getting instagram photos flyers from people that are quite popular in the in the public eye with regards to the resistance to what's happening one of them's katie she put up a post of all these flyers and they were like pretty much identical except for the name of the city that they were being held in and all on the same day and i was questioning well who's putting the money up for all that and furthermore who is organizing these so-called marches in all of these towns all over the world at the same time let's not forget people have been dragged out of their homes in countries around the world for just even posting a link to a demonstration on facebook if you can't even say that there's a demonstration as a pregnant woman you're going to get dragged out of your house in front of your kids by some nazi coppers if you can't even do that how is it that there has been a campaign to create a world demonstration and it was rolled out? You have to question that. I don't trust it. I don't trust that. Who are those people? And who are those people that are arranging those marches when you go on them? Let's take the London march. A lot of people claim it was close to a million people, the first big march. Now, the one that just happened on the 25th or yeah, 25th of July, about 40,000 people, barely enough to fill up 5G Square. We call it 5G Square because that's the centre of the 5G network, right? Trafalgar Square. Good place to meet, eh? You're anti-5G, but you meet in the heart of the beast, the belly of the beast, surrounded by their buildings and their institutions and there it's easy for them to manage you there anyway they've only got to close off the various different exits and you're trapped right where are you gonna go and so they force you where they want you to go they give you the idea or the notion that you're actually making a choice over where you're going but who are the people that are guiding people away from the, the main body they couldn't hear what was going on on the stage because all the speaker systems had had to be regulated properly because as was going to happen they keep changing 
changing and moving the goalposts to stop you having a voice so they let you have a let you think you're actually making a change but really they're doing it so they can say oh yes judge but they did this so we need to stop them doing that next time and slowly they just eat away at any little freedoms or rights or voice you have and you can see that by the turnout at the last London event so people are chatting away for a lot of people it's a jolly up they get their beers in they're having them on the train they think they're brave they're on a train full of people that aren't wearing masks oh how revolutionary is that how many of you do it when you're on the train on your own how many of you walk around without your mask on on your own i'd like to know the numbers i'm not going to find out though am i so i admire that you're all like on a big jolly down to london or a jolly from wherever you are in london to turn up at trafalgar square on these marches but what's the intention because for during the lockdown it was oh get out the ass see some of your mates catch up bump into some other bods that might have the same ideas but when it comes down to it when the booze is flowing and the hype of it all happening is in flow and people are walking along just blindly calling for freedom you just get caught up and then before you know it you've got nothing to say nothing in common why because there's no solutions being talked about at these events it's all oh look what they're doing to us oh look what they're doing to us oh yeah and they're doing this to us oh yeah and they're doing that to us and oh yeah we're not taking any more and oh yeah and you need to stand up and and all those that are here you should give yourself a round of applause because look what they're doing to us and they're doing this to us and they're doing that to us that's all it is that's what's going on and then you come out with what do we want freedom when do we want it now what are you doing seriously why are you going to the very perpetrators against you and asking them for your freedom do you know the last time that happened in the british isles was during the end of slavery wilberforce up north he was one of the boys there was a few others you know what really signaled the end of the slave trade or at least all the people which were royals lots of people had big business owning people on plantation you know shipping them in and out making money off the back of it the thing that ended it was a deal with the british government for the slave owners to supply them with reparation instant payment they all got payments you can go and check it out the national archives in fact there's a show on the biggest bollocks channel and they'll basically break it down for you there was reparations paid to slave owners to let off the slave to let them go but they wanted to be paid because of why for their loss of earnings and anyway why couldn't they just end slavery why did they have to pay anyone off they can just make up stuff now they can make up things that they want to do to you and your body they can make up that you have to go and sign in to get into somewhere they can make up that you have to wear a mask to go around somewhere they can make up laws and rules at the drop of a hat so why didn't they do it then why didn't they just end slavery and go no it's wrong it's wrong and it's stopping and no one's getting a penny no why because that's not what they do is it they look after their own do you get it it was a massive scam those slave owners wanted to get some fast cash and quick and also the government at my reckoning wanted to build a railway they needed investment into infrastructure on the british isles what better than to confuse the masses by making them believe that they're giving in and giving up slavery and it was a lot of money we're talking billions back in the turn of the 19th century i guess we're talking a lot of money do you know for that bill british taxpayer british taxpayer so along with the wars they take you to along with the end of slavery that they made you pay for you pay for that and do you know where a lot of the money from that slave trade went to it went to building the railway another massive institution they made money 
or money or money, right? That's what happened. And you paid for it and you keep paying for it. Every time you go and get on a train, you pay them for the fact that they got paid from you for ending slavery to do what? So that they could further enslave you. I'm talking to you, right? You in the future. This is my message to you in the future. You got to get wise to this. You got to stop going to ask for freedom from people that are using what you do, what you built through paying for. They used your earnings to enslave yourself. You're the slave master. Do you get it? Allow me to explain. If you haven't already tuned in, I'll tell you how it works. Just as I said, they invent stuff like reparations for slavery. You pay for it through your taxes. To make those taxes, you have to go to work. To invest in something to create an industry, they need money. To get money, they either go to two places. Either one, they have it because it's old money, or two, they have enough money to use as collateral to go to a bank and get some more. But guess what? You're the collateral and they are the banks. So they make up the money. They make up the money, they make up the industry, and then they enroll the slaves to come in and work in the industry. They pay you a wage, which is as little as they can possibly get away with. You're the slave, and they treat you like shit on the way. And then when you decide that you've had enough of being treated like shit, you move, you go somewhere else. None the wiser that actually you're the collateral that built the company. But over this period of the last couple of hundred years, they've been figuring out exactly how much you need to live on, exactly how much you can get by on to save and they know exactly what your overheads are so they know how to push up your cost of living and push down your income which is left over once you've paid for everything why because you're not important the shareholders are those that put in that money that are now getting dividends but you were the person that was in the business plan the hundreds and thousands of people that worked on these infrastructures that are the tax money that is going back into the system which justifies them starting up the business in the first place on the guise of oh we're creating jobs no they're not creating jobs they're creating tax income to pay themselves to greater their riches do they do they build the company on you in the business plan public money to get it up and running to roll out all the massive costs and expenses that the taxpayer is going to pay and then they make it look like they can't run it oh we're unable to run it it's running at a loss because they make it run at a loss they know what they're doing and once it's running at a loss what do they do they start giving ideas about how they're going to sell it off and who do they sell it to their mates and who are they the very same people that have been enslaving you from day one the ones that you have to go into the businesses of and spend the money you have most people in britain are in negative equity go to work really they're not even making enough to stay at home and you wonder why so many people chose to stay on the dole people chose to stay on the dole because why go to work for somebody else for 40 hours a week on a zero hours contract when you can stay at home yeah you'll get less but you won't have some arsehole telling you what to do making you jump through hoops not giving you any respect paying you minimum wage why would you go and do that and people do why just like i do i like to work i want to work i want to have a job it's i like to contribute i like to be of service to my community if i can connect with people but in some jobs really i'd rather have nothing to do with people i've worked in some industries and people are just like born assholes right and they're protected to be assholes and the whole bully bully system in exists in in the modern workplace so that's a whole nother subject i'm probably going to do a podcast on bullies but where i'm getting to here is that you 
are a slave to your nation. You pay all the bills. When the nation goes to war, now when I'm talking about nation, we're talking about Great Britain as the example here, okay? But don't be mistaken. It happens all around the world. It's a model that has been rolled out probably back when the British Empire ruled the waves. When they're telling you they're giving back countries like Hong Kong and so on and so forth. No, they weren't. They were just moving everything into a different level. Different level underground. And who's it run by? The banks. Banks run it all. When they go to war, when you don't want them to, like when a million people marched on the city and uh, London against the Tony Blair Iraq invasion over fictitious weapons of mass destruction, they went to war. You paid for that war. The taxpayer. When the Second World War, you pay for that. You've only just finished paying for the First World War. Who knows how much debt there is? Britain is a public limited company, UK PLC. Look it up on Company's House, you'll see. It has, yeah, a treasurer. Yeah, guess where he goes and lives? Next to 10 Downing Street, eh? So the Chancellor of the Exchequer, he's the treasurer of the UK PLC. He's got a balance sheet, profit and loss. He's got to make money. And somewhere down that line, he's got to worry about the bottom line. And who is the income of the country? Well, you are. It's a big subject, isn't it? Income, expenditure, export, import, etc. But what a Britain export? Finance. The biggest thing Britain runs in terms of income is the financial institutions in the city of London. The square mile. But the city is not a part of Britain. It's a city within London. It's got its own laws, police force. Uh, you know, they probably just pay rent for the land to the rest of Britain. But ultimately, whatever comes into there doesn't filter out to the rest of the country unless they decide to do acts of uh, charity build things infrastructure so on and so forth but it's all to make money anyway to get you to pay the bills but you're paying off debts essentially and that goes way back if you look back at the history of the Rothschild you will see that they essentially funded both sides of wars why because it's a win-win situation from them so they encourage uh, states to get into wars and they fund both sides and then the loser pays the bill. And well, you'd think that that would mean that the UK is not in debt, right? Because apparently they won the Second World War. At least they were the allied forces that were on the winning side. Well, just look at it. Look at the state of the economy. So the British public have been paying off debts to bankers and to the Rothschilds for wars and new wars and existing wars that are going to take place and so on and so forth because it's a way to asset strip countries because if you can't afford to pay the bills or rather the debt to the Rothschilds then what do they do? Obvious, isn't it? Really, they come in and start taking over your infrastructure. They start saying, we're going to divert your funds, your taxes. It's going to have to come to us first and we'll give you a little kickback. You can imagine what happens. Uh, so nothing is really unfeasible when you're talking about money-hungry, power-hungry people that essentially own not just countries but the money supply. Very problematic. It's always going to breed corruption. And especially if they're dictating to governments and they own the media corporations, they own the big pharmaceutical companies, they own the... You get where I'm going. Everything is owned at some point up in the top of a tree by somebody who accumulated not just wealth but asset. And it's a massive empire, massive amounts of power and money and it creates dominance over those that don't have money and power quite simple so they end up saying whatever they want whatever narrative they want delivering whatever narrative they want the average person 
wants to trust those powers that be that are looking after us and have a unhealthy sometimes trust in those powers that are meant to be looking after us especially when they're not delivering there is a, a chain of thought out there that says your birth certificate if you look on the back of it it'd be how much you they value you at uh, how much you're worth how much debt you have on you and it, they sell you like a piece of meat you're like collateral of course i'm talking about the original copy because when you were registered as a baby there had to be one of your parents not both just one and a witness and why is that witness there because whenever you are signed into the language of law aka legalese there needs to be a witness but not just anyone can't be another member of your family for instance they have to be independent so they have the births and marriages registrar okay they sign it off have a look at your birth certificate on the back of it it says this is not proof of identification yet when you go to get a passport or a driver's license they ask for proof of identification and one of the ways they say you can produce that or prove it is with your birth certificate but your birth certificate doesn't say it do you get what i'm saying super confusing so your birth certificate is the contract by which you were signed into law and finance by all accounts and if you've ever done that you know there are two copies it's done in duplicate i think actually it might be triplicate these days one copy goes to you and you pay for extra copies if you want and they get written out in a smaller different size book but the main book has an original inside it and that's the document I am referring to. They say that somewhere around the world there are vaults full of these birth certificates that get exchanged and they have a value attached to them and depending on the economic value of your family you as an individual according to your education your job etc etc that is the value of your birth certificate it's your contract of value it's a financial document that ties you into law it comes from shipping it comes from maritime law if you wanted to get into a port you needed a birth certificate. Why? Because you needed a legitimate reason to be inside the nation state and earning revenue as a result. So take aside the whole idea about your DNA being copyrighted and trademarked so that they can pass you around like a, a, a product. Take that aside. It's already been happening. The only difference is they don't have a barcode on you or a mark. But it's coming. That is coming. So you're a slave. So when you go and ask for your freedom, you it's too late. Why? Because your parents, God bless them, they signed you over to the government. And also you give it to them every day person a traveling down from birmingham into london to go to the march exhibit a first thing you need bus fare or a car or petrol or something to get you to the station pay for that second thing you need a ticket jump on a train pay for that you want a drink something to eat maybe a couple of snacks if you're having a drink you have a couple of beers maybe a four pack you might buy them before you go into the station take them on the train with you it's a lot cheaper right you'll pop into marx's get yourself a pork pie whatever that costs money you get down the other end you come out you're like oh thirsty let's hit the offy get another four beers or a bottle of water pay london prices get that pay that go on the march a few bits and bowls maybe buy a flag maybe if you got your kids we are buy them a you know a, a fluorescent thing or whatever it is that the kids are buying down there get a few leaflets handed out jar get on the march walk a bit get thirsty again buy another drink call for your freedom but everything you've done up to that point has been paying into the slave system 
through taxes. You're paying taxes. You pay tax on your fags, on your drink, on your train journey, on your car, on your bus. Whatever you do with that money that you've been given, which is a faith-based currency because it's got the queen on it, says I promise to pay the bearer. Who's the bearer? You're the bearer. Pay the bearer what? Uh, five pound five pound or what they used to say five pound of sterling which was silver i don't know before then could have been gold when he was on the sovereign but no they took the silver off why because they caught an honor the debt so they just got rid of that anyway paper money is just that paper money fiat currency f-i-a-t doesn't mean anything it's faith-based the only thing missing off fear is a h h for honesty there's no honesty in fear that's the problem but there's plenty of faith and you everybody who takes part in the monetary system has bundles of it so much so that they'll go and do anything for a pound note but then turn up on a march and ask for freedom when you work you pay tax on your money when you want to go anywhere on holiday you have to get a passport pay tax on that when you want to buy a car pay tax on that you get the picture whatever you do whether you earn it or spend it you're paying tax on both ends even when you die you gotta pay tax you can't give it away you gotta pay tax you can't earn money if you wanted to buy a bit of crypto you have to pay tax on your capital gains even though it's got nothing to do with the banking system or the government so they make money left and right hand over foot how do they do it they make laws they make rules sometimes they don't even have laws and rules like take the state for instance they have income tax but it's written into the constitution they're not allowed to take money off of a man's earnings only a corporation but there's the bullshit isn't it because the corporation's paying one percent tax and an individual's paying 25 percent tax and on top of all the money it costs them to live and as i was saying they have a spreadsheet they know what it costs for the average person to live and if they know they can eke more then they'll with their massive family of com uh, corporations and institutions, they'll put the price of gas up, price of electricity up, cost of housing, cost of loans. They just, it's all fixed. The whole thing's fixed. So here's the news. Why protest? Why protest? Exactly. There's no point. There's no point going to your slave owner and asking them for the key to your chains. Give us the key to our chains, you cry out. And guess what they are going to say? Oh yeah, come over here. We've been waiting for you to ask. You're such nice people. Sorry to do that to you. Sorry to force you to have things in your body, to make laws, to do it, to take your kids off you, to sever the relationship, the family unit. Sorry we introduced immigration, but not sensible immigration, dodgy immigration, dodgy bods who tell you they hate you and they're going to blow you up and in some cases have and they're going to chop your, you know, representatives of your, your armed forces heads off in public and juke them up and it's got to go on YouTube. Sorry we did that, yeah. No, there's no remorse for these people they don't care just like they put people in chains and when those ships were crossing the atlantic and the north sea wherever it was they threw the men women and children overboard in weight order they threw them overboard to lighten the load cruel, cruel in their chains never took their chains off and give them a chance no just throw them over in their chains that's what you're talking about they're the people you're going to ask for your freedom from so what is the solution well my journey has been one of seeking solutions right back to my early school days and definitely since university. I've since studied psychology and international relations at two big universities in London. 
And I spoke to one professor who was in the team of people that Tony Blair went to visit one day uh, when they were discussing with all of the scholars that covered all the different areas of international relations, politics, economics, etc. So they sat down in a focus group and Tony Blair spent the whole day. The, the room was like nobody left the room. The sandwiches come in, the drinks come in and everyone was fed and watered and Tony Blair never said a word and everyone discussed and shared their position and at the end the conclusion was very bad idea no proof absolutely 100% do not go into this region because the adverse problems that will occur will far outweigh anything that could potentially happen if Saddam Hussein did have an, a WMD that was the conclusion Tony Blair who was dark by now he's had a big long day in this room stood up he said I've listened to what you had to say and we're going in anyway and walked out now my reports claim that was the only thing he said that day meanwhile you lot are out protesting millions of people do not go to war i need to tell you a story about tony blair i was staying at a friend's house in richmond crescent one night and when we got up in the morning we were having a bit of breakfast and it was said to me i gotta to go to work early it's really annoying me because they've this fella that they block the street off for when he comes out they block off the whole street the crescent at either end i can't get out you can't even come out of your house until this bloke leaves and goes to work and i said well who is this bloke and the person who i was staying with said ah i don't know they were trying to remember the name but the name couldn't come to their head a few years later a man came out of nowhere but two events occurred first first one was john smith who is a labor uh, head of the Labour government or the Labour opposition he was out walking his dog in a field and just randomly killed over and died apparently he had a heart attack it was very suspicious the doctor who did the autopsy got in all sorts of trouble I think he actually got disappeared I can't remember the whole story I should do my homework but I digress it's not that important what's important is that Tony Blair was that man and Tony Blair was not on the political scene at that time. So at least two, maybe three years before he actually got into the Labour leader seat and then went on to win an election, he was a nowhere man. He was nowhere. But worse than that, more suspicious was that, was that he had a police guard and he was getting streets blocked off for him way before he even came into the public eye. What does that tell you? That tells you that they know who their supposed leaders are going to be, your supposed leaders, a long time before you do, certainly a long time before you go to a ballot box and think you have any choice over that. You don't have a choice about who is in power, right? Okay, so there's a fact for you. That happened, that is true. And no one out there can challenge that because that's a fact. Because I was there, I witnessed it, we were a part of it. Very, very dodgy i'll tell you what's even more dodgy is there's an article in the telegraph on the 1st of september let's have a look at that date 2010 where it's talked about tony blair predicted to his wife that's true that john smith would die prematurely and he would win the race to become the next labor leader so there you have it and while we're at it i'll tell you a story about Cherie. i was uh, a manager at a gym and she used to come in early with a couple of old fogies who were supposed to protect her. A lot of good they would have been. I went into one of our offices. I could hear some clanging and banging. It was pitch black in there. I thought, well, I didn't know what was going on. So 
I switched the light on and over in the corner of the office was Cherie Blair. I don't know what she was doing, banging around in the dark. And in many ways, I find that quite poetic. The Blair, banging around in the dark, causing trouble. So, aside from the fact that you don't get a choice over what donuts run your country, it's seemingly obvious that they don't listen to you, right? My findings along the way have been most revolutions around the world, if you take out the collectivization in Russia when the Kulak were killed off, when you take out that story, everything from there to here in terms of revolution have been won in the mountains, in the field. It's to do with food. It's to do with the supply routes into the areas where these people plot themselves up. Take the Cuban revolution. It was one railway line that was down in Santa Clara, Villa Clara, where Che Guevara went down. And I actually misquoted what happened in the previous podcast, but I'll tell you what happened. He jumped on a bulldozer, he lowered the scoop and he drove into the line and he buckled the, the track. And when the train full of troops came to go up to Havana to get into the fight with Fidel, had already arrived with the so-called guerrillas, they called them then, freedom fighters. Remember that? Freedom fighters. Because you can't have one without the other. And along came all these troops on this train, and bosh, it crashed. There was a big firefight, and uh, Che Guevara won that battle, and subsequently they couldn't get troops up to Havana. And Batista heard all about it. He went, the game's up, and left. Flew out of Havana, and and it was sacked. Havana was sacked because, yeah, Batista basically flew out of his tail between his legs, scared, running for his life. Fidel Castro went on to run the country. He never said it was communist. He never said it was socialist. Everyone else did. And you've got people that are in, you know, America who are Cubans who will argue that. I've been to Cuba. I'm not Cuban. I'm not claiming I am. But I spent time there. I travelled around. I spoke to people. They were quite happy with the way it was. Yes, people wanted the consumerism of the West, especially America. And it was that consumerism that drove Cubans to wait on the horizon between uh, Havana and Florida to ship themselves across in makeshift dinghies and anything that would float really and that revolution was helped on by the fact that when they were in the Sierra Nevadas the people looked after them they hid them they got them food and it was a you got killed for giving them food but people looked after the people in the Sierra Nevadas because ultimately they were looking to rescue them from a, a fate worse than death which was a Batista rape and pillage society built on capitalism and, and essentially just an enslavement of the people to satisfy desires of the well you know they are study your history right let's have a look at this why process right what are you going to do so the only way these people and I, this is just me throwing in my 10 cents worth and this is not me just like I said at the beginning I'm not telling anyone to do anything I'm just talking what people do is up to them but I've got a right to speak I've got a voice and what's going on now is out of order so people need to start talking about solutions well I'll tell you what has worked in the past when you cut off the supply to any nation eventually you starve it out like you starve it into submission and how does that work well take a look at lockdowns so they tell the little local shop you can't open they tell gyms you can't open they you know you get the picture right but the corporates are allowed to open the big chain supermarket you know who they are the big chain food outlets they're allowed to open they're all allowed to open and guess what you all go there you all go and give them your money don't you you've been doing that why you could say what choice do we have we've got to feed ourselves and our family well what choice have you got i'll tell you what choice you got where it's heading to so you make a decision you either want where 
where it's going to or you want to make sacrifices and you want to do something that's going to properly make a difference marching on a city is not going to make a difference make sure you hear this properly okay stop it stop doing it stop asking slave masters for freedom stop it now and why because the people that are encouraging you to believe it's going to work are part of the organization the war in faction that's making you believe you're going to make a difference historically it never has it's not going to change you're all slaves stop it so stop going into corporations stock up with your food whatever you need to do for when the next lockup comes get yourself locked down because trust me those people in those positions of power they got their little nest egg somewhere they're underground bunkers and whatever with all their food they, they're all sorted right but i tell you it's not sorted the police ain't sorted they ain't got nest eggs why because they're just asleep you can see it they're little lap dogs for the government ain't they for the system that's doing this for the global movement that's oppressing you they, the police are gonna they think that they're safe they think oh we're just doing our job just like the ss did we're just doing our job just like it came out of the nuremberg trials oh we were just doing our job trust me the police do not have a stockpile of food and i've had reports that there are police in the system that are in disagreement with what's going on they don't want to be going against their oath they're carrying out orders that are unlawful and they're ready they're ready but you've got to give them a sign give them something to aim for in my opinion if everything gets stopped i.e the farmers say we're not producing anymore the supermarket get boycotted in fact stand outside stop people going in and you support your local shop your shop that says i do not trust the powers that be we're not doing mask wearing here we're not listening to lockdowns we're opening we're doing that trust those people support your own stop going and give your money to the machine that's enslaving you stop going in those places you know the places i'm talking about the multinational corporations switch off your accounts on online where you go and watch movies and you listen to music don't pay for anything switch it all off cut them off don't go and pay for their things don't buy into it stop giving them money and once you have stopped the flow of food coming into your town into london soon enough it will dry up and yeah you need to all be prepared because it's going to be tough it is going to be tough but i'll tell you what will happen is eventually when the police have also run out of food they're going to start realizing whose side they're on and when that happens there's going to be no standing army and you're going to say to me well they'll have the army well the army has stockpile as well but the difference is they right now don't have public opinion on their side do they and trust me in any revolution even as an army remember Tiananmen Square the lone man with his carrier bag standing in front of a tank at a student protest in a country where you get killed just for saying no to the government it's possible it happens but you need to do it one step at a time we need to do it one step at a time if it's going to happen and like I said this is just my opinion so if you want to come and get me and lock me up for being a subversive terrorist well you're just going to make the cause even greater ain't you because this is like a win-win situation because if you share this podcast and eventually it ends up in the lap of some arsehole one of these in this uh, massive agenda to enslave us even further pump our body full of stuff when we don't want it if it ends up in the laps of one of them yeah they can come and get me yeah they can kill me yeah they can make me the target of you know their hate campaign and, and make me a martyr but that's all they're gonna do 
And the more of you that know about me, the more difficult it's going to be for them to pull back from what's been created by the time it does get pushed out. So it doesn't matter because I know who I'm looked after by. Personally, I'm team Jesus. You know that. I'm with Jesus. Jesus has got me. God's got my back. God's looking after me. I'm all right. Do what you want to me. Say what you want about me. Take me where you want. Treat me how you want. Ultimately, when all's done and dusted, I have my faith in my father god jesus man of god the only person who lived whether you believe in the bible or not open it up read it it tells you what's going to happen it tells you who your enemy is it tells you who your friend is and it tells you how to stay safe and it tells you what's going to happen in the end and it's going to tell you also how you stay on the right team team the good team not the evil team because the world out there is the ones that are seemingly the world or making it look like they're the world are just a very small group probably numbering a few hundred thousand if you take into consideration the people that make the decisions from the top down right down from the presidents the prime ministers into the the generals and then out into the CEOs and then down into you know those that run the, the systems like the education system the health system etc if you add all those up all around the world a couple of hundred thousand i reckon and if you then take that and you divide that into seven and a half billion people pretty sure we got the upper hand right but you're not going to beat them by using their rules you have to make your own rules up starve the fuckers out starve them starve them teach them who really runs this planet who really works the land who really works in the shop who really turns the machines who really switches them on and off who drive the buses who drive the trains who drive the ubers you you're the people that have the power you the ones who work in the bank behind the counter the ones who work in the supermarket at the checkout the ones that help the elderly in the hospital the ones that help the sick and put your own life at risk the ones that work in the buildings that supposedly supply you with housing and social security you all have the power the ones that work in the local shop the local convenience store the truck drivers who deliver everything from food to furniture around the world the people that fly the planes that serve you food on the planes you all are the people that have the power and it's wise to say that yes they've caused a division through the bread and the circus and the confusion and the Hegelian dialect that they've got some of you believing that you're up against your own and they've got you telling lies on your neighbour or rather grassing your neighbour up and if you're in Aussie you're dobbing them in right yeah my neighbour's got people over and there's a lockdown they're telling you on the news that there's something that happened that's not they're telling you the, the shops are closed when they're not I've been living through lockdowns trust me the shops are open but the news is saying they're shut they're telling you there's cordons around certain areas that you can't get in and out but i go to those areas and you can go in and out freely the media tells you one thing but the reality is different they don't have the power they are creating the illusion that they have the power and they're using the media to do it so you boycott the media as well turn it off and if you want to go and protest anywhere that's where you need to be outside their building you need to be outside their houses you need to fight on your feet stop feeding them that's how it's gonna go down so where are we at if you want to make that change if you want to make that distant difference then this is my suggestion get your friends pass them the 
Digital Jesus location. You can find us on all the platforms. Look us up on the Google, whatever. It's free. I'm not going to take any money off you. We're a solutions-based program. We're going to talk about the things the government is trying to stop us talking about. We're going to offer up solutions. And if you stay tuned for the next episode, I'm going to tell you exactly how you go about becoming one of these members. And I'll tell you what a member of this particular group is. So stay tuned. Keep coming back. And I'd like to take you out with Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on your breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that i may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chain that in it i may speak boldly as i ought to speak but that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing and that's what I want you to do I want you to know who I am but it's going to take time and it's going to take you and who am I what makes me so special well here's the thing I am but so are you and together we can make this difference and we can make the change and we'll do it together we can love the person and hate their behavior and their disease and together we will create the world where we're not being overrun by tyrants who have an agenda to make their bank balances bigger or whatever it is they're up to we're going to flush them out and they're going to realize they are not the ones in control we're going to stop using the systems we're going to just buckle down and we're going to lock ourselves tight and we're going to hold on to the idea that yes we're going to suffer and it could take a while but ultimately the tide will turn and when that day comes you will taste victory and better still you will taste your freedom and then you will never have to ask for it again why because you've taken it back and you know how valuable it is then and you won't be giving it away my name's king david this is digital jesus god bless i'll see you on the other side digital jesus digital jesus Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus.